welcome to episode 19 of PM Podcast. Today's episode, we have Han Suk Cho, who is the bartender at Kato Restaurant in uh, Los Angeles, and also the, uh, the founder and owner of uh, Zero Proof Drinks. She's got a really interesting perspective uh, that we haven't hear, heard, heard yet about the industry. You know, she, she started kind of late, like me, I guess, in terms of like uh, really dedicating yourself to, to cooking. And then on top of that, um, she's from Korea and then, uh, you know, immigrated from Korea. And then on top of that, uh, she's also a, was one of the, you know, people at the very beginning of the zero proof uh, drink movement, you know, um, working in Michelin star kitchens, making cocktails and starting cocktail programs with, out alcohol uh so it's a really interesting perspective i mean that's become a huge it's a huge craze now i, I wouldn't call it a craze i think it's something that's going to stick around for a while because i think people are drinking less but it's one thing to make like a zero proof cocktail but to like actually have a zero proof cocktail menu worthy of a michelin star now that's another thing and that's where uh hansuk cho comes in uh she's she like was at the ground floor of that that whole movement and uh, really dug her heels in and and, and um, found a niche for herself there. So her story is really cool in that sense. I found Han through just looking on Instagram, and um, turns out that Han does a lot of work with Slowburn. So she's in tight with Andy and Tiff there, and um, I think just did a dinner with them uh, a few days ago, maybe. Uh, so a little bit of crossover there, which is fantastic um yeah this one's a little bit of a shorter one but i will be back with some massive episodes coming up soon um i've been on a uh, little podcast tear recently just recording my my little ass off also been going to shows holy shit man it's been oblivion access here in um in austin 105 degree weather in austin doing an outdoor metal festival, you know, sweaty dudes and mosh pits. It's been, uh, it's been fucking amazing. Um, just been seeing some shows, doing some music therapy, getting myself right, get my head right with some Godflesh and some Sissy Spacek and some uh, Blank Hellscape. Shout out Blank Hellscape out of Austin, Texas. Underrated band. Um, man, who else did I see? I just saw J.K. Flesh last night. It's fucking amazing. I know this is a food podcast, but, you know, this is also an industry podcast. And I feel like the, the music industry is kind of adjacent. A lot of bars and restaurant people uh, do both. They're in music and and also uh, work in industry. But goddamn, that shit was good. J.K. Flesh, if you don't know, is Justin Broderick, who's the the main man behind Godflesh, which is like a legendary like industrial metal outfit from uh uk but he also does like this like dark techno oh my god so good there's like just him in a laptop and he's just fucking destroying this room with like low end and shit but it was fucking great it was so good who else am i who else did i see i saw clipping last night yeah just give you a taste of my my music taste and and my taste in general i guess clipping is a is a it's been a very noise heavy kind of week now that i'm thinking about it yeah, very noise heavy. Yeah, Clipping's like a noise rap outfit 
Davi Diggs, who's the singer, is also like big in the Disney world. Like it's weird that he has this split life between being like a huge Disney star and like being in in like Broadway musicals and shit. And then he comes out and he does like this noise music, industrial, you know, noise crossover music. It's fucking crazy. One of the most intense mosh pits I've ever been in my life. Did not mean to be in it. That's one of the. That's how you know it's a, a, a crazy pit when you did not intend to be in it. Not even near it. Just and you just end up in it. It's just what happens. You know, it's 102 degrees right now. Jesus Christ! I'm sitting outside in my garden, little garden piece. You know, just hanging out with the plants. Yeah. Later, I'm going to see Godflesh and um, Sissy Spacek. Who also, if you don't know, is new band I I found. Uh, my buddy Keaton showed it to me. Uh, just the most heinous, like fucking disgusting, disgusting grindcore sh- like noise shit. This guy John Weiss, who I also saw the other night, just does like kind of like horror noise music, just like very harsh um, sounds. Sounds like sounds like a horror movie soundtrack, but there's no movie playing. You're just hearing it. Um, and then uh, he does this other thing called Sissy Spacek, which is like that with just harsh, noisy bass and um, drums. That's going to be exciting to see. There's probably going to be 12 people there. Just the the support for <laughs> for noise noise bands in this city is is insane. Like it's like a huge festival in this town and and I go to a show with like four legendary noise acts and there's like 20 people there. It's crazy. Half of them are sitting down cuz it's too fucking hot in there. <laughs> it's it was a weird vibe, really weird vibe in there. And then uh uh what else is new with me? Um been creating some more dishes and getting a little more involved in in that, man. It's a it's a wild ride. I love it. It's 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 a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun just like uh coming up with ideas based on just whatever waste product we have that's the funnest part it's just being like oh I'll just i'll make this thing because we have all this waste it's it's so much fun uh that's that's the best part about it and then um talking to, to chefs obviously by doing this podcast and like learning about how how they work and and what they do um it's been a, it's been a lot of fun man yeah i'm really looking forward to this uh this little barley swine run I got coming up. Um, I think what I got planned for that is uh, I'm really I'm really struggling for uh, for Patreon content, right? Because I just don't have the time to to make any sort of extra thing. Is so I think I'm going to make episodes now that I have a backlog of episodes. I'm going to start making things uh, available earlier on Patreon, so you have access to those sort of things. And uh, obviously, you'll get videos if I ever record. The videos, um, if that's something you're interested in, you'll be able to see the, the unedited video interviews. Um, I'll, I'll put up uh, Han Suk Cho's video interview on the Patreon in tandem with this episode. And then, so earlier releases, you'll get it like a week early. Ideally, this is all ideally. I still am a full-time working cook, so I can't make any promises. Um, and then... The other thing is, uh, yeah, so for this little barley swine run I got coming up, it's one of my favorite restaurants in, in the world. I've idolized it for a long time. Talking to people about barley, it made me realize that I have a story of my own to tell and that without any sort of context to anybody outside of this 
this little barley swine world, it might not make any sense. So what I'm going to do is probably record like a, a solo pod, which I don't do very often, and explain, you know, what barley swine is and what, what I know about it and how I came to work there and my experience working there and the people that really made a huge impact on me and um, Bryce's journey, as much as I can tell from my pers- from my perspective, this will all just be from my perspective, and how I came to love that restaurant, and then um, how I got to where I am today because of that restaurant, and then I'll probably put that on the on the Patreon, so it'll be like a little a little extended edition. You know, I'll I'll do a little brief talk before you, the episodes to tell you kind of a little bit of context. But if you want my story and everything, that'll probably be up on the Patreon. I'll let you know when that's out. Yeah, those episodes are coming up next. Um, they're a little longer. They're long guys. So I might split them into two. I might leave them whole. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah. Well, next time I see you, uh, I will have been changed by seeing God flesh in in person. I'll be a different. I'll be. I'll be an evolved human. Um, yeah. What do I got planned up next? Um, besides burning. Yeah, keep sending um keep sending recommendations my way. Uh I've got an an editor now, shout out Mason, uh who is helping me uh get these episodes together so I have a lot more time to focus on actually living a life and <laughs> and and also um focusing on the people that I want to talk to on these episodes. And uh so yeah, that's what your that's what your donations and your support goes towards. That goes towards, you know, being able to do more of this which I really fucking appreciate. And um, as always, go to the, you know, Patreon if you'd want those extra little goodies, um, those minimal goodies. And <laughs> and then, uh, let's see, what else? Oh, support page. Peonmagazine.com slash support. And uh, also just scroll down to the bottom of this, this episode. Then in the description, there's a little link. You can just donate straight from there. You can make it monthly. You can make it fucking... One time, you know, it all helps. Like I said, it's going towards uh, researching fried chicken right now and uh, getting these podcasts edited by Mason. So, yeah, enjoy this episode. Um, Enjoy uh, Han's story. And um, see you next time. Hey, how's it going? Thank you, uh, hey. thank you for taking the time to join me. Yeah. Of course. Thanks for having me. I don't know if you uh, looked up at all what uh, what uh, the podcast is about, but I usually just talk to people about their yeah. service industry experience. <laughs> and I saw, like, I think I was looking through Andy Dubrava's, uh, like, who he follows and stuff like that. And I saw this picture of you. You were talking about how you worked, like, 16 hour a day or something like that. And I was like, oh, I got to talk. <laughs> I got to talk to this person. Yeah. So, uh, how did you, uh, how did you get started in the industry, in service industry? A little bit about my background. I grew mm-hmm. up in South Korea, like countryside of Korea, and okay. moved to the States in 2012, right after the college. Okay. Did you go to college in Korea? Yeah, in Korea. Okay. Okay. Before I became like full-time restaurant industry worker, I was mm-hmm. pursuing my career in music. Oh, really? Wait, so you got yeah. into cooking after college? Yeah, after college. Wow, okay. Yeah. And, well, before that, I was 
still working at like restaurants to pay my bills because music don't pay your bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Were were you cooking at those restaurants or were you working at uh, like uh, front of house or what were you doing at that time? I was doing a little bit of both. I didn't like work on the line, but I was doing like prep okay. work. Well, I of course started as dishwasher and. Doing some prep works, and sometimes I would work from the house. Sometimes I would work as a bartender mm-hmm. because my music career was very much gig based. Mm-hmm. My side job in restaurant also kind of became gig based, like very okay unstable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> was was it mainly like fine dining restaurants, or were you looking working at like cafes, or what? What was the kind of uh, it was mostly like cafes and mm-hmm. you know for like mom and pops or very like small okay. places. Okay. And yeah. I was at some point I was a bartender at nightclub for a couple of months. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I would come back yeah. to doing you know preps, and then in 2014 I had like quarter life crisis. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and that's where that's like a couple of years after iPhone came out and basically starting like the MP3 devices coming out, the music yeah. industry has gotten seeing like dark ages in my opinions because it was yeah. so easy so easy to access for free like musicians weren't yeah. making enough money and there's no Ooh. point of putting so much crap to make you know music because everything was so accessible mm-hmm. in that way having stable career in music seemed very like impossible without you know going to school for 10 15 years yeah or like touring your entire life right every every day yeah yeah, yeah for sure so i decided to shift my career in food because funny enough um, restaurant career looked more stable. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty stable, but it's funny that yeah. uh, it's not really a big money maker. So why did you why did you choose that uh, food? Why did you food? Oh uh, well, choose, um, music service? wasn't the music wasn't big money money maker either. So I already yeah. have <laughs> given up that up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it was very important to me to do something that I can, you know, be proud of it and actually mm-hmm. like enjoy and have some like creative outlet. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So did you, at that point, did you uh, dive into like working more behind the line? Yeah. That's when yeah. I actually start like trying. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And studying like more about food and um yeah, actually started working on the line and you know, like try to move up from Garden Manger to like different stations. What restaurant were you working at at that point? I started at um Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles. Okay. All right. Yeah, at the time, uh, Patina Restaurant Group was taking care of all the food and beverage program at the Hollywood Bowl. Mm-hmm. It was like a summer thing because it was only in season for like concerts for like mm-hmm. three months out of a year. Okay. And then after working on the line there, I got a little 
arrogant, so decided to work at a <laughs> pasta bar. <laughs> what did you just think? You were like really, really good. You were like uh, better than most people there. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Well, it's I'm not proud of this, but I worked off the clock a lot to like learn.、Oh, okay. Also. Because I felt like I started a little later than others, I, I didn't go to culinary school,、mm-hmm. so I would, you know, you had a lot of catching know, up to do. Is that what you meant? Yeah, 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 yeah for sure.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah, I worked at a pasta bar after that, and when I became like a pasta cook at pasta bar, that's you know when you feel like oh, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is a very good thing to learn and and.、Uh... Yeah,、mm-hmm. it's a great skill to have, for、yeah. sure. What what bar? What place was that? It was still in L.A. It was yeah, it was at Union in Pasadena at that、okay. time. Bruce Bruce Kalman was the owner chef. Okay. Yeah. Were you were you just making all the pasta for the whole、uh, restaurant? Yeah. Well, I was. So they had pasta like handmade pasta production team, and、okay. I、yeah. was on the line the cooking. And it was a crazy thing because I was part of the opening team, and we would literally do like, you know, three hundred covers in yeah, like fifty seats restaurant. Damn. Yeah,、wow. and people, you know, would order like multiple plates of pasta. And one time, I actually counted, and I made like eight hundred pastas, like pasta dishes a night. And I was like, this is kind of、oh、crazy.、God. Wow, that's insane! Yeah, yeah, but that's but a lot have... about pasta. Yeah, like if you have the system worked out and have the pasta boiler and just people with you know fast hands and all the sauces are ready,、mm-hmm. you can you can bang it, it out、yeah. very fast. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge jump from cooking at the Hollywood Bowl to、uh, like a、yeah. high paced like sauté line. I really did because you know you're in. A crazy focus for like three hours. Yeah, just you know, feel like feel like machine at some point. <laughs> yeah,、you know? yeah, that's when it、and、gets it, kind think, of enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, and I think you can only do that when you're in twenties. Yeah, yeah, at a certain yeah. point, it does get very hard. Yeah, physically yeah, on your body. Very,、mm-hmm. Yeah, very like being、yeah. almost like athletic.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you can you can work crazy hours and not get tired, or you know, work all、yeah. week and and not have、mm-hmm. to, and also party on top of that. But the older you get,、yeah. the, the harder it is to even just like kneel、yeah. down into a low boy, you know, especially yeah, at that pace too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How long did you how long did you end up staying there? I end up staying there not too long actually. After like after six months, I had. Purple turnout on my wrist, really bad. Oh, really? Was that just from prepping everything? Like, yeah, just from you know tossing tossing pasta, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah just just、mm-hmm. tossing pasta. Yeah, that's that's something that people don't really realize about cooking. It's、like、those repetitive movements. Like, yeah. The more you do it, like the other day, I was I was on the line and I realized that my arms, my my whole right arm started hurting, and I realized、yeah. that because of the station that I'm working. It's all just right-handed, and so、uh-huh. I have to learn to like start balancing that,、yeah. or it's just gonna be, yeah, it's gonna be awful. Yeah, that's something people don't realize about cooking. Yeah, when you're working like so much in the kitchen, you don't do any like workouts. 
to no. actually, you know, grow the muscle or you don't even eat enough. You don't even eat no. enough protein. No, no. So you eat once a day, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And most of the times you're just standing there, right? Yeah. That's when I like really realized that I need to take care of myself physically to continue mm-hmm. in this profession. Because I was yeah. like out work for like three months just waiting to get healed. And that's, you know, that's very, oh, dang. it's yeah. really hard. Yeah. Yeah. How old were you at this point? Like how many years were you in the, were you in the industry? Um, Like total 10 years. Yeah. I mean, like okay. really being professional, like a year. But oh, I started, yeah. yeah, but I started like working in a restaurant, like part-times since I was like 16. So that was, it was a slow build up to that, that yeah. injury. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Did you, did you have to leave the restaurant at that point? I did. And that was really hard. Cause I was like, um, I'm a rock star here making 800 pasta, <laughs> but I have to leave. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't get yeah. to come back. You had to you had to give up that job. Yeah, I did give up the job, but mm-hmm. after that, oh, after that, I had more fun job came in, which is this restaurant called Little Sister in Los Angeles. It's okay. It's like um French Vietnamese. Oh, okay, that sounds great. Yeah, like new generation Vietnamese food, which I had no idea anything about Vietnamese food at that time, but it's something mm-hmm. I wanted to explore. And yeah. and I just ate there. I always dine at restaurant before I start working there. Yeah, it's a good way, good thing to do. I ate there first and then just like blown away by all the flavors and different ingredients and cooking techniques. So I started there like as soon as I was feeling fine with my wrist. Was that... Uh, is that a fine dining restaurant or is it more uh, casual? It's more fast. It's more casual. It's still okay. like full, yeah, full service restaurant. And I think the check average is about like eighty dollars per per person at that time. Uh-huh. But yeah, kind of casual. It's fun because the dining room is there's bar sitting, kind of looks like sushi bar, but instead okay. of making sushi, cool. the cooks make the Vietnamese spring rolls. Oh, really? Like fresh, like right yeah. in front of you? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's that's really yeah. great. Yeah, I started doing that, enjoyed a lot. Also worked a lot of off the clock, but <laughs> yeah. is that something that's typical <laughs> in LA? It's for like you to work off clock or is it expected of you? I think it was at that time. And but I don't think it is anymore because I think a yeah. lot of restaurants got sued at some point, so they just like stopped doing that, which is good. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but mm-hmm. did you find that that you you would clock out and then your your superiors would expect you to stay longer, or was that just you? Yeah, yeah. your superiors mm-hmm. were doing that. Yeah, damn. Yeah, that's, that's would, messed yeah. up. Yeah, I would see like my bosses, um, like the hourly sous chefs. They are forced to clock out and do inventories. What? That's messed up. Yeah, that's that's not right. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. So so uh, what was it like working there? Did you end up working like a hotline or did you just do prep or what was it? Um, I was working the spring roll station the whole time. Oh, 
Yeah. Yeah, about yeah. about a year, and it was fun because I get to actually do some like guest facing service mm-hmm. because they were like right in front of me, and also it's in downtown LA where the lunch was much busier than dinner. It was okay. a nearby courthouse, so like lots of like lunch crowd coming in and get a couple spring rolls and leave. So it's very like turn and burn for lunch. Yeah. 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 I always thought I will never work at sushi bar or <laughs> yeah. yeah, sushi like restaurant in that setting. It just didn't feel right for me. So that was like mm-hmm. perfect. It's like same kind of setting, but without instead of cooking Japanese food, I'm cooking Vietnamese food. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a great concept that most people don't really yeah. do. Yeah, fresh spring mm-hmm. rolls. Yeah. So so why'd you end up leaving that place? Too many work off the off the cook. <laughs> yeah, just burn out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then I wanted to move to like Michelin star restaurant. Really? So you, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you like this whole time were you sort of gunning for something like, um, like, or were you just trying to soak up and, and learn everything you could? Yeah. I was just trying to soak up and learn everything I could, but in my head, I always want to move up quote unquote better places with higher standard and eventually wanted to reach to like Michelin three-star restaurant. Wow. Okay. So you you started at a, a, a one Michelin star. What place was that? After Little Sister, I started working at Providence. Mm-hmm. Um, that is is that in LA or is that in San Francisco? Yeah, it's also in LA. Okay, okay, I must be yeah. thinking of something else in San Francisco. Who's the chef there? His name is Michael Simarusti. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Very seafood focused, and they kept two stars for years and it's been open about like 15 years now how was was that a, that must have been a huge jump from making string it, rolls to yeah. have a Michelin <laughs> star lined it was huge jump especially i didn't know how pacing menu service works yeah and just learning that itself was the hardest thing in the beginning but once i realized that oh yeah you just fire one after another and yeah. know that's coming <laughs> yeah i kind of got into the rhythm and once you get into the tasting menu of rhythm it's you know mm. everything just comes all together yeah yeah how was your stage there first walked into that kitchen because it must be a shock <laughs> i don't know it was interesting because the first time staging they said they're not hiring. Okay. I was already, I decided to show up until they decide to hire me. <laughs> okay. So the second time they said still no. And the third time they're finally like, fine, you can work here. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't take no and for an answer. Yeah. That's no. Cool. Yeah. I was like, I really no. want to work here because I also I yeah. also had eaten there before and okay. I just wanted to learn everything they do. It was like very special, pound for pound, like bite to bite. I was like, Isn't I it? wanted to learn everything they do. And I did. 
Yeah. What? What's? Did you start from the bottom there? Like, mm-hmm. uh, Garmo and work. From, yeah, from Garma and worked fish station at some point, which was working fish at a f- seafood restaurant is the most special thing. Yeah, it's a very important job. Out of, at some point and wonderful thing about providence is they have a fish butchering room it's a whole refrigerated room so you don't have to like keep bringing ice and stuff and the way they treat their seafood is the best it's just Mm -hmm. the freshest everything is on ice and everything get changed every day all the inventories Uh uh-huh also, like cooking wise and trading seafood wise, I think I learned at Providence the most. That's great. Was it a, so? Was it a good environment to learn? Or did uh, yeah? I always I always feel like Mission Star places could be kind of intimidating or um, somewhat toxic. But did you find it was a pretty good place to? It, yeah, it was. You know, there was absolutely no working off the clock, and that's great. Like yeah, yeah and, and relatively respectful environment between you know like in the hierarchy Mm -hmm. that's great yeah and everybody helped each other it was a very good environment well it's great that's that's good to hear (laughs) yeah especially for a a one or two mission star place yeah and i'm very thankful that my first michelin star restaurant was a great environment to work at because it's Usually not the case. Yeah, yeah, I've heard, yeah. I've heard some some hellish stories from people on and off this podcast. So, yeah, that's that's great. That's great to hear. And also, since like I think he's like he's really good friends with Gordon Ramsay, so he's he's always like on his shows. I think. And yeah, Michael Chef Michael is just a chill dude who cares so much about fish and actual he? actual like the ocean environment. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. How long did you end up staying there? I ended up staying there for a year. It was a very long year, now that I <laughs> think of it. <laughs> it was yeah. just very, very hard working and absorbing so much in that year. Yeah. It's like an over- overload, sensory overload yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where did you end up going after that? And, and actually, why did you end up leaving then? Was it just too much, too much work or, or just too much for? What you were doing? I wanted to see something higher, something more. Okay. Because Providence was great work environment, but I knew there was like something more because Ooh. at some point I realized that LA, like the service step wise, the front of the house, mm-hmm. so many people are, you know, actors, musicians, comedians. This oh. isn't what <laughs> okay. they do for a living. Yeah. They're not like hospitality professionals. Yeah. And I wanted to experience people who are actually professionals who do this for a living yeah. full time. And this is all they think about. And yeah. LA didn't have that at some point at that point. So I wanted to move to Bay Area where okay. the um, standard of service is higher. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you, where did you end up there? So after Providence, I started working at Single Thread Farms. Is is yeah, that a restaurant is, or is that a 
Is that a, is that a farm? Yeah, it's a okay. it's a farm restaurant in Sonoma, Hillsburg. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And when I joined the team, they had opened for about a year. Just received their second star, wow. and they gave me a choice to work either back of the house, star as a comi, or front of the house, mm-hmm. but not just being a captain. Yeah, yeah. It's a non-alcoholic beverage pairing curator. Okay. Yeah, for like um yeah. like non-alcoholic uh cocktails and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like it's like wine pairing but non-alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a huge thing nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. there was like four or five years ago so at that time nobody was doing that other than yeah, single sure. thread at that time and I was like this is intriguing and it's something very new and I can incorporate my front of the house skill and bartending yeah. skill and cooking skill all at the same time so I decided to take that job and was did that, that for was- was that new at that time? Like, I mean, the actual program that they were, was it starting when you got there? Or had they already had it in development for a while? They already had it in development. And okay. the previous person had just left the position. So the position was empty. And mm-hmm. it was kind of like everybody trying to chip in the idea, but nobody was really in charge. Okay. Okay. So I kind of like demanded that like I have all this experience I think I can do it and there was also like no like department head it was just all me so they wanted to have someone they can just like trust and go like no need to train is there actually a farm attached to the to the restaurant so did you get to use a lot of that stuff yeah I mean farm they have the farm like um, a mile away from the restaurant Oh, nice. And That's really great. Sonoma is just such a great like farming area. Yeah. So I did use a lot about a lot of the produce from the farm. Like one year they they planted way too many strawberries. Like way <laughs> <Okay>. too many. <laughs> Literally like yeah. six hundred like lexan full of strawberries twice Ooh. every week. Dang. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I was using strawberries for a lot of drinks and make jams and send people home with it. Or <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, the Dang. restaurant had their own forager, so I would oh, that's go great. out. That's cool. Yeah, I would go out with the forager and you know get all the organics in Sonoma and use that as the ingredients for the pairings. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was very, that was a beautiful time. Yeah how how uh, how popular was that? Were people really in, invested in that when they came to dine, or is it something that you kind of um, uh, maybe not forced on people, but did you incorporate it into the tastings so that people kind of got used to it? Yeah, it became quite popular because. Yeah. You know, Sonoma is wine country, but still there are people who come and decide not to drink or drink too much for wine tasting. And when they come to the restaurant, 
they decide mm-hmm. to get non-alcoholic pairing. So okay. at some point, like non-alcoholic pairing was selling just as well as wine pairings. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing, especially in wine country. Mm-hmm. And That's it's really such cool. a new yeah. such a new thing that people are curious mm-hmm. about it. Because you yeah. know, wine, you can kind of get it anywhere, but non-alcoholic pairing, they could only get it there. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And like, um, was it, were you using like a standard uh, bartending style? You know what I mean? Like, were there like stours and like, you know, whiskey, like whiskey drinks, like every, were you using the standards of, of bartending to make drinks or was it you creating something completely new? I was creating something completely new. That's awesome. Yeah. Because yeah, also it was very important to me to not mimic the flavor of alcohol mm-hmm. but also okay. i didn't want anything to be like overly sweet like juices there's yeah. like a mixture of tea juice botanicals and herbs but something just completely new that's awesome that's really really cool so yeah i guess what was the what was the equipment like there were you using some really high-end stuff to make these these drinks and like tinctures and whatnot or are you literally just working with what you got in the kitchen yeah working with what i get from the farm or sometimes farm crops mm-hmm. and during corn season i used a lot of corn silk and corn husks like the byproducts mm-hmm. yeah or yeah or like foraged mugworts so yeah lots of free like trash i made into money that's awesome. Yeah, I, that's yeah. my favorite thing. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love taking the trash, the waste, and making something delicious. It's it's the best part. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Did you get any recognition for that? Like, uh, did they sort of um, not just not just from the people you worked with, but also from like uh, Michelin or anything like that? I I did. Oh, that's great. Year after, year after we received our third Michelin star. At that time, San Francisco Chronicle, the deputy of food writer was Soleil Ho. Mm-hmm. And she does not drink alcohol. And when she came into you know, Single Threads, she really enjoyed my pairing and she wrote about it to um, wrote about it very little bit as a chronicle. That's awesome. And yeah, yeah and then like non-alcoholic beverage start getting a little bit more popular. Mm-hmm. And there's this food writer in New York. Her name is Julia Bainbridge. Mm-hmm. She was writing her non-alcoholic drink book called Good Drinks at that time. Okay. And she came all the way to Sonoma to interview and share recipes mm-hmm. and like really start seeing the beginning of the boom of non-alcoholic drinks. That's awesome. So you were part of that? Yeah. That's great. So you're you're in in that book. Did she she came to just like hang out with you and and see what you were doing? Two of my recipes end up being in that book, which I am like very yeah. honored. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long how long do you uh end up staying there and like helping develop that program? I end up staying there about two years. Oh, okay. And wow. then 
Yeah, and I still had my family living in LA, and I realized that LA is my home and where my heart is. So I came back. Yeah. So you said you got three stars at that place. Like, so you started when you started, they were two stars, right? And then they got a third while you were there. What was the lead up to that? Like, were you guys actually gunning for a third, or was it something that happened? And and what was the environment in there trying to get that third? Quite relaxed and like very kind environment. Really? But, okay. Yeah. I just imagine, always imagine three stars being such a hard thing to get and such a high stress. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I am very grateful that Single Thread is a place where I got my three stars because, you know, I only know the horror stories about three star restaurants. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But Single Thread was very like kind environment. They were very like strong on taking care of each other first. Mm -hmm before we take care of other guests. When they first open, they aim to achieve three stars in like very quickly. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they were gunning yeah. for three stars the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Wow. No, they didn't give did me they... any pressures. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. They were very like easy on the program. Also, like there was no other NA program to like compare oh. with okay so yeah so yeah it's yeah it's, it's already exciting and interesting enough mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. well that's really that's really great yeah what is what is the lead up to getting a third star like or what was it like for you guys i think since the beginning like before even they got two stars their standard was already three stars okay i see yeah a yeah. lot of upper managements were from other three-star restaurants yeah they didn't change much when I started, but the standard was already very, very high. Oh, that's, that's yeah. amazing. So you said you ended up moving back to LA after that, huh? Mm -hmm. What did you, did you end up working at a, at a restaurant or did you take some, take some time off? That's a pretty high stress I, environment. <laughs> so yeah. I can imagine you taking some time off. Well, I took maybe like a month off. That's when I also got married. Okay. Nice. Yeah, so we took like a little honeymoon and came back to LA and I started working at Dialogue in Santa Monica. It was, well, it is by Chef Dave Barron. He was at Alinea for 10 years. Wow, okay. And then he moved to LA and opened Dialogue. It's tasting menu, one star. It's like Californian Midwestern cuisine. Okay. So like Midwestern food, but using California produce kind of? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's not like typical, I don't, I don't want to say typical, but it's not like Midwestern food, but very like innovative, something that you've never had before. Like every course was like something you've never tasted before. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Did you eat there as well before you started? Mm -hmm. Okay. What what drew you to that place then? I did the non-alcoholic um, beverage pairing program there as well. And the is hardest it? part is it's like 20 courses. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's a very large tasting menu. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. like 20 courses. So. 
and everything as a pairing? No, pairing is like every other courses. Okay, okay. I was going to say that's, yeah. that's a lot. <laughs> the wave of the tasting food, the tasting menu food-wise is it's seasonal, but not just mm-hmm. your, not just the season you're in. It's the season before, present, and after. So for what example, you if you're in, in summer, summer menu is starts in spring, like the concept of spring. Mm. Oh, I see. Like, so the first courses, the first courses are spring and then it moves into summer mm-hmm. and then the later courses are into fall. That's an interesting yeah. concept. Okay. It is. Well, that is really cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, throughout 20 courses, you see the graduation of changing season. And end up with future. That's that's a that's a really cool concept. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have to do that for the for the non-alcoholic drink course as well? Like the same way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like okay. incorporating the similar like seasonal ingredients with the food. Okay. Did you did they have a uh non-alcoholic beverage program there or did they kind of poach you and kind of recruit you like how, they, how, how, how did that work yeah they had it before i started but also like it was you know sommeliers and chefs kind of pitching ideas they didn't really have a mm-hmm. person who's in charge just like any other yeah. restaurant so yeah. i my husband already had worked with chef Dave Barron before so we got connected and I said I do this at single thread and I would like to do this at the restaurant okay and he was he was down for it yeah that's great yeah how was that how was that environment because um I've heard some not so good things about Alinea um did did uh yes. was it, what is a good environment to work working under it really was guy? Yeah, okay, good. I think Chef Dave left Alinea because he didn't want to be in that environment anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah. dialogue was actually pretty, like, also another, like, relaxed, but hardworking, no yelling whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, and well, that's good. Still, yeah, still a lot of work, but it's a very small team. The whole restaurant is, like, 700 square feet. Oh, wow. Okay. That's yeah. very small. Yeah. Yeah. It's in like a little food court. You have to have a secret password to get into the restaurant, like a speakeasy. <laughs> okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And it was like six people team, both front and back. Everybody does everything mm-hmm. and very intimate, but hardworking mm-hmm. and happy environment. That's great to hear. How yeah. long did you end up staying there? How long did you cultivate that program? I ended up staying there for about eight months. I would have stayed longer, but my parents in Korea was having health issues. Okay. Yeah. So I had to leave for a couple months and then pandemic <laughs> happened. <laughs> did shit yeah. happen when you were in when you were in Korea? Yeah. Wow. I almost okay. couldn't come back. Yeah. So you almost got stuck in South Korea. Mm-hmm. For wow. years. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. So, so you have managed to get back. What did you do when you uh when you got back? When I got back, I yeah, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have a job and nothing was opened. And mm-hmm. I I knew that I wanna pursue my career in like non-alcoholic beverages, but like there's no restaurants open, so 
I was kind of hanging out for a couple weeks until I got a job at Ennaka. Okay. Is that a it, restaurant? What is, what is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a Japanese like kaiseki restaurant in LA. Oh, okay. Two stars. And they were open? They were not like open for dining, but they had to start doing takeouts. Okay. Two star, yeah. two star takeouts. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. And okay. they needed a cook. Yeah. Because all the cooks who were working there, they didn't want to come back to work because of, you know, the germs and virus. So I started there and we're doing like bentos. Okay. Every day. Yeah. yeah. Like 100 to 200 bentos every day for, for like a year. Yeah. Wow. 200 bentos a day for, for a year. Dang. And did you stay there when they opened back up? I did. Yeah. Um, I stayed there when they opened back up and I realized that I want to go back to doing what I was doing. Like the Ooh. beverage and front of the house stuff. Yeah, not not cooking anymore. Yeah, not cooking anymore. Did you did you do the beverage uh, program there? Did they not have one? Oh, they. It wasn't their best interest, so I Ooh. left Ennaka, and now I'm a bartender at Kato K A T O. It's um Taiwanese American tasting menu restaurant, one star in downtown LA. That's what you're doing now, you said? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So do you mm. so you're full on bartender now? You're not you're not just doing uh non-alcoholics, you're doing everything? Yeah, I'm doing non-alcoholics and alcoholics. Okay. Yeah. Um, and is and is that pairing or is it just uh just a la carte kind of thing? Um they do have pairing options. So me and our bar director Austin Hanelli, we collaborate on everything, basically. Yeah. Oh, that's that's great. That's great to hear. Um, I guess do you have some some future moves that you're trying to make, or is it is this something you're you're into right now? So beginning of 2020, I also started my own beverage company called Zero Proof. Saw that. Yeah. yeah, that's nice. Are those is that can can non non alcoholic cocktails? It's in a small bottle. It's like a small seven ounces champagne bottle. Okay. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That's cool. Yeah, because right. um. The color of the beverage is very important to me because it's like a mm-hmm. sign of using, you know, no food colorings, but also like just good ingredients. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. have that business and sell it at restaurants in Los Angeles. Are you are you planning to are you trying to go national or worldwide with it? I am not actually. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> Because I know, I know, like business-wise, it's such a like wrong decision. But it is very important that I am all the stuff that I am very hands-on. The ingredients I use are mostly like farmers market, like California ingredients or very selected okay. ingredients that comes from Korea. So it's oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah so it's very hard to do it like mass produce or even go with like mm-hmm. co-maker. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. See. yeah. And I'm trying to go more like a, these things are very good and it's hard to get. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good way to go about it. Yeah. Cause then mm-hmm. people see it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes it, it makes it local and special, which is always yeah. great. Yeah. 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 One year I used Californian melons to make sparkling mm-hmm. melon in a bottle 
on that. Yeah, it's and awesome. you know, some yeah, things like that you can't get it anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I'm guessing that like adding preservatives and stuff like that would completely ruin the I guess what how do you bridge the gap between people I mean, there are people who are really into non-alcoholic beverages now, but I mean, um, do you find that you have to convince people or like, sorry, word, like sort of use the conventions of cocktails to get people on board or do you just, you just do what you do and if people come along, they come along? Yeah, I just do what I do and I am totally fine with people not liking my stuff. Yeah, like if they get it, yeah. yeah, if they get it, they get it. If they don't, I mean, I still like it. And yeah. well, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, back to my point. Like, I'm not doing this to become like a millionaire. Yeah, you're just doing yeah. it for, for fun and because you enjoy yeah. it and you want to see it in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. because I like the process of creative, you know, outlet. And I think that's very important motto to have as an artist because all restaurant workers are artists Mm -hmm. yeah that's great i have this dream of opening up a bar and have a beverage menu like alcoholic beverage menu is just as big as non-alcoholic beverage menu and like east asian theme like korean japanese and taiwanese with you know some delicious bar snacks that's awesome i mean california's a great place to do that this the produce yeah. is incredible and the large variety and uh mm-hmm. yeah there's a bunch of there is still a bunch of like um asian produce right like california yeah. has tons of asian producers right mm-hmm. yeah like asian greens and yeah that's that's awesome yeah that's great. and i really enjoy working with local farmers and my favorite thing is going, getting all their seconds and make something great out of it. Oh, you mean like stuff that they're, that they're, they can't really, um, yeah. Yeah. Get rid of. Like the Im- yeah. Imperfect produces. Oh yeah. 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 That's great. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So you, do you, are, are you mainly like specializing in, in utilizing food waste? Yeah. You try to. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's also fantastic. very important for me. And that's how I got connected with Andy Dubrava and Tiffany Ortiz because, mm-hmm. you know, of their upcycle cooking. Mm-hmm. And I collaborated with them for a few dinners, like the things that they can use even with their upcycling techniques, I would make beverage out mm-hmm. of it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. When was that? There was um, not too long ago, last winter, last summer, actually. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and now, uh, yeah, now they're yeah. touring and coming back next week. So we're going to collaborate again and I'm going to utilize their trash to make more drinks. <laughs> That's awesome. Are you, are they collaborating or are they coming to your, um, your, your bar restaurant right now or is it somewhere else oh yeah it's um oh it's different like private events oh okay that's yeah. awesome well that's that's a exciting thing to look forward to i mean i i hung out with them when they were here in austin texas and their larder is incredible so i'm sure you'll have oh, yeah. plenty of stuff to work with <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, that's exciting. I'll, I'll keep a lookout for that. I, I love seeing yeah. Andy and Tiff's um, pictures and seeing what they're working on. It's amazing. So I'm excited mm -hmm. to see what you do with them. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah, it's a great talk. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Great. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it. Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah nice to meet you too. Have a, have a good day. Yeah.